Hey Internet, what's up? Welcome to the very first episode of the No Limit podcast with me, your host, Copano. Um, for my very first guest, I have the pleasure of having South African YouTube superstar, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Sibu Mpanza. Mm, mm, it's up, good to be you? here. Thank you for having me, dude. No, no, thank you for agreeing to be the very first one. I'm always excited. I'm always um, excited to do interviews like this. Oh, yeah, th- that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I started this so yeah. I can just get the conversation going about creative people yeah. in South Africa, especially with like YouTube as it emerges yeah. in the country. Mm. Still very small, and I think this is there's a big space there for especially a lot of young black creators. Yeah, yeah. And I want us to have like a conversation about that, mm. but later. Yeah. Firstly, let's talk about you me as a creative um where does this start uh where are you from okay so uh i was born in bumalanga but i grew up in cape town i literally went from Mpumalanga to cape town within a couple of days like my mom put me on the plane when i was still a baby like i was still i was a newborn um okay. actually it's funny enough when we landed in cape town um i wasn't breathing like the, my mom asked the doctors Jeez. can she take me on a plane as a newborn they were like yeah sure go ahead do it got on the plane on the way like landing i was not okay i was not breathing as soon as they dropped me off they like we got off the plane we drove all the way to the hospital it was very very dramatic <laughs> it was very very dramatic um but yeah, i've been living in cape town most of well i'd lived in cape town most of my life um from kailicha to mitchell's plain uh, pretty much that side growing up and then when it got to high school i moved to um like i lived at school so i was in hostel okay. uh where i went to weinberg boys high which is a very like white school very like colonial like quite white white um which was a very like it, it's formed a lot of who i am today okay. um, a lot of my opinions a lot of the ways that i see life the lens that i look um at life through um and then from there i went to uct I studied there for a couple of years, did not finish. It was a bit too, it was a bit too difficult for me. I just, I called it a day. And then, yeah, I moved to Joburg, man. And that, that's that's me now. I'm a, jo- I'm a Joburg, uh, You're a Joburg kid now. Kid, I'm a Joburg kid. I'm a cool kid from Joburg now. Yeah, yeah. That's and, me. and you started doing YouTube while you were at UCT? Yes, I did. So I started doing YouTube in my second year. Okay. I was like really just like not necessarily enjoying Varsity. The The content was really nice. I enjoyed the content, but I was not necessarily enjoying the way that I had to study. Like I had to hand in things and there was oh. just a lot that I wasn't necessarily enjoying about it, but I enjoyed the content. Um, and you know, to not waste my mom's money, I called it a day. Like with before my final year, it was yeah. supposed to be a four-year degree, guys. Hey, it was a five-year. Going on to year listen, six. Listen, listen. <laughs> uh, we know that struggle. <laughs> Every varsity student knows that yeah, struggle. Yeah, yeah. So that was me. So, so before my final year of my what was turning into six years now. So I had just done 2013, 14, 15, 16. I just done the fourth year. Um, I was going into the fifth year, and I was like, I told my mom, I was like, listen. I'm calling I'm it. Good. I have to move. Um, and I, I, the first thing I told her is the fact that I'm dropping out. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, you know what? It's okay. You can drop out for like a year or whatever. So what are you? And I was like, oh. I'm moving to Joburg. And she was like, what? Why are you moving to Joburg? <laughs> um, and I was just like, because I, I feel like I need a new start. I need a yeah, totally different yeah. place. Also, I don't feel like the creative scene here and what I'm trying to do is not necessarily working out. So I, I, I moved to Joburg and I, I was like, I'm going to try and become a YouTuber, which was unheard of at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're the first person in the country to do it like full time, full time. 
I mean, I'm I'm one of the first black people. No, let me okay. tell let me tell yes. you. So it's okay. it's funny that that uh, you say that because a lot of people think that a lot of the things that we do as the YouTubers that they see, the visible YouTubers, is like the first, which is completely understandable because there's yeah. not a lot of other people on Black Twitter. But there's a lot of white people in this country who've been doing YouTube for a long time because they've had the access to you know um, equipment and the access to the internet in general. Uh, for example, Casper Lee is one of the guys I looked up to when I started. He has about, I think, 7 million subscribers just on one YouTube channel. Um, and he is from South Africa, and he's just moved He moved overseas, like, right off the matrix, same age as me. Um, and then there's his older sister who was also doing it full-time. So there was a couple. Um, the other day I said that uh, Michelin Damas is about to get a plaque, yeah, a YouTube B- plaque. B- somebody was like, yeah, somebody was like, yo, one of the first YouTube. And I was like, no, guys. <laughs> Do you know how many people have plaques in this country? Yeah, I actually saw the tweet, and mm. it made me... Like try to search for that part yes, of YouTube yes. because we don't know it. You don't know all it. All we yeah. know are the black yeah, YouTube which I community. mean, which is good for me. I say all the time. I say YouTube is black, and I love it that way. Yeah, I absolutely love it that way. I love that YouTube is black. I love that when you watch YouTube, most of the time the representation you now see is black. Because yeah. when I started YouTube, there were no black YouTube. I mean, there there were black YouTubers, but there was nobody really taking it very very seriously. Um, and not that they didn't like take their content seriously but it wasn't a thing that i'm going to do this every single week and i'm going to make sure people watch and then maybe one day it can turn into a career maybe one day um there were a lot of people who were just you know uploading content here and there they were enjoying themselves which was nice um but i didn't really get to see that many people when i searched south african youtuber on on youtube it was like did you mean you know something else because literally like there were no in 2014 there were no youtubers yeah yeah that was us. This is like four <laughs> years later now. When you search for it, it's Ooh. like hundred people everywhere. People everywhere. Everywhere. Like the growth of YouTube in this country has like it's massive. And I hope that it keeps the space e- yeah. if not more. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I like it as well because now it's it's a new career mm-hmm. in a country where we're really struggling yeah. with employment. So it's it's a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. Having a black mom. Yes. <laughs> And saying, I'm going to do this internet thing. Now. Yeah. What's the reaction? Um, so, so the nice thing, I, I, have, I have what people call a cool mom. Okay. <laughs> I, have like a, I have like a cool mom. Um, and she was relatively open about the idea, especially because she saw how her son was not coping with varsity. She okay. knew, because I had been complaining from first year that I wanted to like leave varsity. At the end of first year, I was like, mom, I want to do something else. Or I want to change my degree. And she was like, no, you can't. You have to stay. Second year, I was complaining again. Third year, I was complaining. So by the time it hit, it was one of those, ah, you know what? I'm tired. Just do um, it. She literally was like, Danam, just, just do it. I know I can't stop you from necessarily doing it, so just do yeah. it. And the thing was, I wasn't necessarily banking on her money. So that was a nice part is I could say, listen, I'm, I'm one, I'm like moving out, um, I'm dropping out and I'm moving away and I don't expect you to pay for anything or to yeah. like help me with yeah. anything. And she still did. She gave me like two, 2.5 when I was moving to Joburg. She was like, I don't know how this is going to help you, but this is all I have at the moment. And I just had to make that work. So she was relatively open about the idea, but that's because I'd been working on it for so many years. And also she had seen what I'd been doing about YouTube and she saw that I was really passionate about it. Okay. So like the awards that I was getting and the views and the people were talking about it and the interviews, like the TV interviews and the mm-hmm. radio interviews. So she could see that there was something there that I was working on. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, I always say that to people who ask me, how do I drop out or how do I explain to my parents? And I'm like, firstly, I don't say drop out. <laughs> first things first. Um, but when you are explaining to your parent, make sure that there's, you know, there's something there that you can be like, here's my award. 
that's my summer concept. award that I can be a rapper. Yeah. Here's my whatever. I, like it doesn't have to be that big, but give them something to work with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear that. Mm. And and since coming to Jobek, you've been talking about this thing called the Mpanza Network. Mm, mm, mm. Let's go there. Uh, what's that about? Is it a multi-channel network? Mm, um, mm. What? What is it? What do you do there? Exactly? So, so it, it's actually very, very close to a multi-channel network. Um, and there, there's actually a few people who have tried to start them in South Africa. Yeah. I, I basically, I mean, I didn't even realize that I was starting a multi-channel network when I did it. So the Mbanza network for me was, firstly, the idea came from me starting YouTube channels um, because I have Sibu Mbanza and I have Mo Mbanza and I wanted to start another one and another one and another one. I wanted to have a channel. I wanted when you, you come on YouTube, you come on South African YouTube, Sibun Banza owns a lot of that South African YouTube. Yeah, I wanted yeah. to be the Shonda Rhymes of South African stay YouTube. Exactly, the staying within the community. Um, and then so that's that's the idea that it started off with was I'm starting Sibun Banza, I'm starting Mombanza, then I, I start a gaming channel or I start another channel and that's what the Mbanza network was going to be. It was mm. just going to be a network filled with my YouTube channels, right? And then something I noticed this year when I when I started really delving into the business of YouTube was the fact that a lot of creatives didn't know how to make money out of it. They were good at the content creation, brilliant at it, but mm-hmm. when it comes to the business side, I, you know, I, this year I've started figuring out more and more and I'm starting to have it on lock and I was like, listen, let's do this. You concentrate on your business side, come to me, let me manage you and your YouTube channel and that's how it can work. And I'm starting a, a group of five maybe six youtube channels and not growing it more than that over the next maybe two or three years unless i get okay. more people who will help me on the Banza network uh, and you know work with me on that but for me right now it's like a group of five six youtube channels that i don't necessarily own i own my youtube channels right now i don't own anybody else's but i do manage other youtube channels so what i found that really works and this is a tip that i make people pay for is that when you come in groups you will make more money than when you come alone that that usually that that works wonderfully. So, for example, if a brand comes to me, um, I it's not just Simon Banza, it's Simon Banza, Mom Banza, that YouTuber, that YouTuber, that oh. other YouTuber. Let's do something all together, and then nine times out of ten, they're like, okay. Then the budget just shoots up all it of a sudden because there's more people. Because they see more the, value. Yeah, yeah, the more yeah. value, the bigger the audience. Exactly, exactly. So I wanted to create a family apart from you know just managing people. I wanted to create a family where I was like, listen. We all love YouTube. We all want to make money out of YouTube. Let's come together and make this money together. Yeah. Um. um uh, Casey seems Casey Neistat mm-hmm. seems to be doing like something along those lines yeah. with. Um. I think it's three six. What is three, it? Six, three eight? six eight something. Yeah. 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 Three six eight on mm-hmm. Broadway. I think it's yeah. called. Is it? Is your aspiration also to have a space for those YouTubers where they can create their content? So that's the one thing I've been begging and begging of Google Africa is to create a YouTube oh, space. Yes, YouTube spaces. We don't have one on We don't African have one because uh, we don't. I think there might be one in Nigeria, but I don't think so. Um, and I've, that's the one thing I've really wanted to do is create oh, a space. And I've, yeah. I've spoken to like a couple of my friends about it, but it's a very expensive idea um, to have a space open where people can come and create. And that's something I really wanted to. And I was I was just like throwing ideas around to different friends about like how maybe we can have a membership where you come in, you book your time, you can shoot. Like we, we, we all come together to get equipment because we need that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really creative and amazing content creators in this country, but they don't have the... Um, the space and the expertise or the equipment to create that content. And I want to have a space where I say, listen, 
the studio is open you have three hours to do whatever you want to do come in yeah. and do it yeah. uh, you pay a small fee just to book your spot for that hour or three hours or whatever the case may be and that's something I want to create it's an idea I've been sitting on for a while but the execution I found is so expensive and every time I think like okay it's going to be this much then something else comes up and I'm like oh no it's actually going to be that much that now. much yeah, yeah. yeah. you know listen mm. do it I'm going to be one of the first people that sign up <laughs> because I'm sitting on a spreadsheet yeah. with I think also maybe like six or seven ideas mm. for different channels that I've noticed are not being done yes, yes. in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, you know what? If I were, I had the space to shoot these things, yes. it would be incredible. It yeah. would be content. And some of them, it's not just targeted South Africans. Mm-hmm. It's just everyone in general. Yeah, yeah. If you bump into it, if you're in the UK mm-hmm. and you bump into it, you did definitely yeah. be into that type of content. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just hold on. No worries. Do we unpause? Yeah. Um, so, when when was your very first uh, YouTube deal where you either the video was sponsored or you had to create content for the brand? So my very first YouTube deal was funny enough just after I moved to Joburg. Uh, so I, I, I've been doing YouTube 2014, 2015, 2016. Not a single cent was made Three from years. YouTube. Three years. Not a single cent was made from YouTube. And then I, I moved here December 2016. My idea was I was going to, you know, find a job that was going to somehow pay my bills, mm-hmm. like in terms of. The, the one skill I had was editing videos, obviously, from YouTube. So I was like, I'm yeah. going to try to find an agency where they'll allow me to, like, edit videos um, and I'll make, like, whatever, eight, nine, ten thousand rand from it to <laughs> try, just pay rent, get food, whatever the case may be. And I was still on the search for a job. And then in Jan, end of Jan, beginning of Feb, I got an email from an agency I'd never heard of before. I'd never even heard of agencies. Like, that's how I was not in the <laughs> loop about this whole marketing thing. And I got an email from an agency saying, listen, uh, we really love your work. Um, if possible, could you come to Joburg for a meeting with us? And I was like, oh, I'm already in Joburg. And they were like, what? And I was like, I've moved here. Um, they were like, perfect. Come through to the office tomorrow. We want to have a chat with you. We have this um, social media like campaign that we're doing. Um, and we can't tell you who the brand is yet. But when you come through, when you come here, we can show you the contract and everything. So the next day I go. And I, and I sit there and the guys come through and they, hi, our names are Book of Swag. Um, we are an agency and we are doing this campaign with one of the big South African banks. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, what do you want me to do? And they were like, no, we don't want you to like do anything. We just need you to come through for like, um, I think it was maybe three days on set. And okay. we're doing like a, like, a, like an ad, but it's only going to be on social media. It's not like a TV ad. And I was oh. like, okay, cool, 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 sure. Uh, in my head, I was like, cool, they're going to give me like 5,000 rand. Yeah, I'm going to be able to pay rent. Then they give me the contract. And the number I saw on that contract, I was like, whoa. I was like, wait, is this for that me? Did you, did you give me the wrong contract? <laughs> um, and it wasn't like massive, but for a 21-year-old who had for never made a cent. Exactly. I, I lost it. I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, this is what, this is your value, dude. This is how much like you cost. This is your going you. rate. Listen, I, w- <laughs> <laughs> I was not okay. I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll do whatever you want. What do you want? Do you want 10 videos? I'll do that. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I was ready. They were like, no. Um, It's literally two days on set. We just want you. We want Sibum Banza. We feel like you're building something really amazing and we want your face. We need you as a personality to make that impact. And it was 
an amazing experience and that was yeah so basically it took about three years and from there luckily they all started like the brand deals just started rolling in and i had to be like no yes no yes but that's what sustained me last year yeah so it was just it needed that first one yes for other, for people to actually see me and yeah. see that i can do something yeah. and it was nice when the brands came they were like what have you done before and i sent them a video from that um bank that i had worked with and and that's what i've been able to do now is last year i worked with over 30 brands that year literally um and by the end of the year i was able to literally just send an email and say look this is what i've done my cv yeah. was packing by the end of the year and i was able <laughs> to be like this is what i can do for your brand let me work with your brand because i really love it yeah mm-hmm. yeah so uh, are they now more consistent like you said last year you was 30 are brands now recognizing the value of um of, of youtube and youtubers in south africa so so the funny thing is last year it was more in terms of the brands it was more quantity than it was quality so last year i wasn't i wasn't making a lot of money um but there were a lot of brands so it was like brands like throwing like little amounts at me and at the time i was taking a lot of what i could get sometimes when something was just it didn't make sense at all i'd be like no dude like this is not gonna as much as i want the money it just doesn't make sense and it's gonna it's gonna cause a lot of backlash towards me um but last year it was a lot of a lot of brands not necessarily a lot of money um this year way less brands that i've gotten but long-term deals and more money which is what i wanted in the beginning of the year i sat down with myself and i was like what do you need to do different because as much as i got the brand deals last year i struggled a lot like there were times when i didn't know how i was going to pay rent there were times when i was borrowing money from my friends from my friends parents even like it sucked because i couldn't ask my mom for money and not that she wouldn't give it to me but she just didn't have it like yeah. she couldn't mm. she she couldn't give me money um and so i had to ask for money from different people and i was like what do i need to do different this year what needs to change and what i told myself is i'm not taking brand deals that are like shorter than like a month at least okay. and also i i pushed up my prices and i was like actually your value is more than what you're valuing yourself at this point um and also i was more proactive in getting the brand deals so last year a lot of it because a lot of it was coming to me i just sit around and wait and be like and then after three weeks somebody would come and be like hey here we're offering you this much can you do this and i'll be like okay cool pay rent buy food cool and i'd wait and then you wait wait for the next for the next one and then it come this year listen 8th of january was the first day that people were in their offices my emails I, i wrote them like the week before on the The 8th on the 8th at 8 (laughs) a.m marketing managers brand managers i pressed send like i was way more proactive this year than i was before um i did more briefs i did more proposals this year i was just like i'm not gonna get fed if i don't open my mouth like if i don't go and like also ask for things it's just not gonna happen so i think that was the like the big difference yeah yeah recently like as a money as another way of earning income um I, I think they no, they're the second channel to have this uh Zuki and Karabo. Mm-hmm. They they're trying to kill the match game right yes, now. Yeah. Which with their fire squad t shirts, which are very nice. Mm. Uh, I think the first guys to do it were broke niggas mm-hmm. with their t shirts and caps. Yeah. And they had a video where they were complaining that people are just not buying. Mm-hmm. They're just saying they're nice, I want one. But when it's time to actually put your hand in the in yes. that wallet and take out your money take out your money it's not working so so is, is it something that's viable in south africa i Mitch? think i think it's it's it it can be viable but we must not try it too soon i have had merch sitting 
for the longest time but i was like i don't yeah. feel like it's the right time also it's the way we market it there's just a lot of aspects to it that we need to figure out before we jump into it i am keen for fire squad merch i love their merch i think it's, it's a great it's idea really, it's true um for myself right now i don't feel like i'm in the right place um but merch is your guys merch sells in terms of like as a marketing as a way of yeah, making money yeah. it sells like overseas a lot of youtubers lot make of their money predominantly from selling clothes um which is a wild concept but i definitely think it's something that can work here and i think if there's one place that merch can work apart from like rappers and other forms of entertainment it's youtubers because like as any viewer knows as and me as a viewer i know that i i feel closer to a youtuber yeah, than i do any yeah. other form of like entertainer or whatever celebrity, the case may be or celebrity whatever, yeah. yeah um so i'm more prone to buy things it's just unfortunately we have to be very careful we live in a very poor country where majority True. majority of the people are spending a lot of money on buying daughter to watch your videos so yeah. now they have to spend extra money to buy your merch, your merch. um yeah. when they're already like like digging at the bottom of their wallets to be able to buy so um one i think merch is a great idea i just feel like we have to be very very careful about how we sell it and also the marketing we do i think um firstly break broke niggas weren't the first people to do merch they are like i said black, <laughs> are, black youtube community that's the thing they so were the first in ones. the black youtube community i would say definitely they were probably yeah they were the first yeah. ones to do it bro yeah definitely broke and then microwave boys did it off so an acadium oh, yes, an acadium yes, was the first yes. to do merch um and they're 100 percent right it's very easy for people to say yo that's dope that's fire yeah. we love this but now it comes to buying when they we say don't. it's 150 it's 250 now people are like yo 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 um so that's i think the reason why i haven't made merch to sell mm -hmm. i am making merch for myself to wear right now okay. um but not to sell and maybe next year but i think if i do sell merch it'll probably be 2020. can that fall so people can have extra money listen so that people can spend money so that hey, we can open gofundmes hey, hey, and hey, patreons hey. and hey yeah Speaking yeah of patreon that was uh -huh. gonna be my next segue mm. you mentioned you mentioned it in a recent live mm, mm. and it, is it really viable in South Africa? Like, yeah. coming from what you've just said about disposable income, yes. especially given that a huge chunk of the YouTube audience are students. Mm -hmm. As it is already, you're struggling, you're a student. Yeah. Yeah. The little you get, you get this data that's already expensive. Mm -hmm. And then there's now also Patreon. Yeah. So so, so I think it, it also... So firstly, for the people who don't know what Patreon is, it's it's oh, yeah, in yeah. in its most simplest form, it's like donating to a creator. A creator, yeah. Donating on a monthly basis. A monthly basis yeah. Yes, you pledge to donate ten rand every month. You pledge to donate a hundred rand or a thousand rand. And there are and levels of like rewards. Yeah, exactly. So that, in return, yeah. maybe I say like, if you pledge a hundred rand every month, I will do a live video with just the people who pledge a hundred rand. Yeah, so you know, it's yeah. more of an intimate setting or for i'll take you guys out for dinner if you pledge a thousand rand every something like that like yeah, yeah. yeah so so i think it is one viable but you have to be careful about like how much you're asking people for so i think if i was saying hi guys please pledge uh 10 rand a month so that i can pay for groceries i think that's different from saying please pledge a thousand rand so that i can buy something big or <laughs> so like something yeah. little like that and i think yeah. that's a very good especially for students if i'm saying if a student YouTuber comes to me and says, please pledge like a hundred rand a month so that I can uh, pay for my transport to go to varsity. I think that's a very viable thing. So no. you also have to think about 
why you're asking for this money i don't think there's anything wrong with asking for money at all i don't think there's an issue with it at all i was saying recently in a live that i would start a patreon to ask for money to get a better lie a better webcam so that we can make these lives better like better looking i don't think there's any issue with asking for money i just think it's a matter of what you're asking for and also making it viable for the people that you are asking money from Okay, um, as a future channel, you mentioned gaming. Mm. I haven't really like came across one that is someone who's based in South Africa. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen one where it's a South African guy, but they're in the UK. Okay. Mm. Yeah, uh, uh, is, is that something that's viable? So, once again, there are many gaming channels in this country. <laughs> many, many gaming channels. Um, I've, I've honestly just, really tried uh, looking for them. I've tried different variations of South African gaming, mm, South gaming, African South gamers, Africa, yeah, gaming so, South Africans, nothing. So, gaming YouTubers are very young in terms of 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, oh. um, young kids. And there's a big viewing in terms of gaming YouTubers. One of the biggest gaming YouTubers in this country is a friend of mine, Grant Hines. He has pink, bright pink hair. Um, and he was actually one of my first mentors when he came to YouTube. He's an amazing guy. Um, he moved to the UK for a little bit also because that's where gaming is big. Yeah. I want to start a gaming YouTube channel apart from the fact that I love gaming. Like it's something that I make sure I put in like an hour in like every day that yeah. I can. Um, but also, like you said, there's a niche that hasn't been... penetrated and explored by black people and what i found is there are a lot of black gamers there are a lot if you go when i went on twitter after i bought my playstation i tweeted i was like yo guys what's the best game like can i there are always people there replying and i find that they're all i mean i am on black twitter but they're always young black people who like they they know what these games are about they know where i must get certain things how i must get them what's the best way to do a b and c and i'm like if there's all this content, why aren't you guys making channels yeah. or blogs about gaming? And a lot of the blogs and the channels about gaming are from white young people, which is like 100% okay. But they, I, I always feel like there needs to be a black variation of something. Yeah. And yeah. I want, if, if, if nobody else is going to do it, listen, I'll, I'll, gonna do, I'll it. do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I love gaming. And I was like, it's not going to be one of those things where it's, mo- it's just a business decision where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this now because I know it'll be good for business. But I love that. It's something that I enjoy, which makes it easier. That's the other thing with the Banza Network is creating channels in niches that I feel like people aren't exploring, but finding that gap where I'm not just going to start something because I feel like it's a good business decision. It also has to be something I enjoy. And enjoy, gaming yeah. is one of those places because there's a lot of gaming sponsorships waiting to be used but people aren't getting into it I feel like especially with like these the recent like comic con africa yes, and yes. rage, that rage yes. annually, that's that's a huge mm-hmm. opportunity yeah there. And there, there are young black people who are starting in it now, which I love. Um, a lot of the hosts for like Rage and Comic-Con were young black kids who are, you know, playing Fortnite, playing FIFA, whatever the case may be. And they're starting to realize that there's something there. But I also don't blame like the black people of this country for not getting into gaming. It's an expensive thing it to is. get in. Yeah. You have to get your console or you have to get your computer. You have to buy the games consistently yeah. uh, if yeah. you don't have the sponsors yet or, you know, the, the media houses sending you the game. So it's a very expensive one hobby and two career yeah um speaking of channels mm. let's deviate to the sibum panza channel mm. the originator channel <laughs> the original first of its kind um it's been it's been quiet over yeah there. what's happening so in terms of sibum panza sibum panza was a lot of race class gender talk um it was a lot of serious talk and 
I said this in the beginning of the year when I took that three-month break was it was weighing on me quite a lot. One, because it had grown at such a pace where I was now, I, I felt this like, it felt heavy. Like I got mm. 10,000 subscribers and I was like, ooh, I have to give people, I, I have to make it worth that 10,000. Yeah, I have to show people yeah. why I got 10,000 subscribers. And I was starting they came to, there now for your content exactly, and your opinion. Yo, and I was starting to panic, dude. I was like, how am I going to make people? Because there were also outside people who were asking, who's the Sibum Banza guy? Why does he have 10,000 subscribers? And I felt like I had to prove to people why I got 10,000 subscribers. Yeah, yeah. And it started weighing on me so much that I completely like, I caved in and I was like, whoop, instead of making this content, I was now not going to make any content and also because i dropped out of school i felt like and i said i was going to do this full time i it almost felt like i had to give people so much content because i'd been like i'm dropping out of school and i'm doing this i have to give people three videos a week and i have to yeah, just, you have to, yeah that consistency I have to be consistent exactly there. and it, i completely broke and i was like oh it's not gonna work and also a lot of the content that i was talking about was so emotionally taxing that i was struggling to make it because i knew as soon as I post this video, as much as I really want to talk about this topic, the backlash that I'm going to receive from people who don't necessarily agree with me, I'm going to struggle with. And as much as I have thick mm. skin, I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I don't want to deal with these comments or these tweets. I just want to create the content. And that's where Mombanza came in. And Mombanza was such a free channel where I could just do whatever I wanted yeah. and people were enjoying it. And I was like, this is the type of content I want to make. Um, but I do want to go back to Simumbanza. I do want to be consistent on Simumbanza, and I still want to talk about race, class, and gender, and whatever comes from it, because I feel like it's very important things, and a lot of yeah. people really enjoyed it because they felt like nobody else was doing it. So I feel like I have that responsibility, especially because people gave me this platform and made my voice louder that I need to, I have this responsibility now. Um, to use that platform and it's definitely coming back i just wanted to come back with a force i don't want to just want to be like hey Simon Banza, i'm talking about racism this week in south africa i i i wanted to be um i just want to come back with a bang yeah okay yeah. I, I was really excited there's this video that you did where you were unboxing the teleprompter yeah i got really excited <laughs> i was like oh shit he's about to get he's professional <laughs> now he's going professional yeah. we're about to get regular videos uh -huh. and then and then you Went, so, went on break again. So, so the reason I, I, I even got the teleprompter was because it was taking me so long to... I wanted to streamline my work. So yeah. coming up with the things to talk about was, was great. But then when I started talking about them, like it was really good. I enjoyed it. But I forgot so many things. And, and on YouTube, especially on my main channel, I really had to be like... Um, like it had to be short videos, so three to five minutes compared to the second channel. And yeah. when you're trying to keep things so concise, you tend to forget things because I'm trying to make a video that's not longer than 10 minutes mm. and then I'll cut it down mm. in editing. So I was forgetting so many things. I was like, I need to invest in myself to get a teleprompter, write down a script, know that I've got A, B, and C, keep my thoughts clear and concise. Um, but even then, as much as I had my production side sorted my pre-production when i had to actually prep to do the thing it was just not it was not working out so not. that's another thing I, and i'm still glad that i have the teleprompter because it's 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 helped me so much but you need to actually use it more that's what needs to happen Get to it. <laughs> we, we are waiting are you waiting okay are waiting. okay okay um uh, also meet the creator was was something like a new regular yeah. show that you were going to do uh first episode done mm. mr okay wasabi yeah uh, where, 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 uh, what does he say? 
what uh, uh, put 1475 yeah, yeah. Uh, from what what is that 1475 uh, from first, I can't even remember yeah, my brain uh, so <laughs> my brain and I know it perfectly um yeah he goes what does he say he says oh, uh, hello my name is Oki Wasabi 1475 the hood with skinny niggas die and you do the multiply with the clouds so close to the ground that we all touch the sky and he goes I'm not alone and then whoever's with him <laughs> he'll just go on like that Yo, yeah so it. that's the thing with me the creator um I, I, I was like, I have to make, I remember I was in China when I woke up the one morning and I was like, no, I have to do this. I have to highlight other people. And it was so difficult because there are so many moving parts. It's so easy. Like this thing that you're doing right now where you're interviewing other people. Ooh, yeah. it is the most difficult thing because it's moving parts. It's getting people to it a is. certain place at a certain time. And I found that that's what I struggled a lot with. And the nice thing is I had a sponsor for Meet the Creator, which was Suzuki. And I just shot the second episode now. Um, okay. And I shot it with Nudge uh, Nudge Wink Wink Tato Rambedi. Um, oh, so he, Tato he, with another Tato one. Tato with another one. So you guys actually have the exclusive. Nobody knows that. Um, okay. And I'm literally waiting for it to get confirmed right now. But that's the second episode of Meet the Creator, and I really, really enjoyed it. I wanted to be one of those segments that's always like sponsored by a, a really cool brand that I like. So um, I'm hoping that Suzuki carries on sponsoring it. But yeah, I, I, I love Meet the Creator. I love that I get to highlight other YouTubers and talk yeah, to other YouTubers yeah. um, about themselves and how they did it. Because I, I find that a lot of the time when people want to find out about YouTube, they come to me, which is 100% okay. But there are a lot of other stories out there um, mm. apart from mm. mine. So yeah, that's what Meet the Creator was all about. Do, yeah. do you feel like that's placing a lot of pressure on you as one of the first black people who did YouTube now? who did youtube now every other black young person who tries to get in they go let me go to cebu first a hundred and fifty (laughs) percent dude i i and i it's so difficult because (laughs) i always want to be nice and i always want to be that person who but the responsibility that i feel has been placed on me by a lot of like growing youtubers is something i can't handle in my dms guys hey i will get maybe five or six dms a day with people who are asking me to put them on in various different ways and i'm i'm still trying to work to pay my rent right now i i can't focus on putting other people on at the moment and that's what i struggle with so many times it's like do i concentrate even with the network do i concentrate on my five six youtubers um where i can really grow these five or six like youtube channels or do i just try to help everybody all the time because i will get five dms right and then i will get um, two emails and then I will get a phone call from somebody who's randomly found my number and wow. it's, it's ev- ev- every day every there is not a day that will pass without me not getting a DM or an email from somebody saying hi please collaborate with me please come into my video please share my YouTube channel please do A, B and C and it's something that I really struggle with because I always want to be that form of representation for people and I don't want to make people feel like they can't do this. Because I know when yeah. I was young, yeah. like I, when I started YouTube, I didn't necessarily DM people a lot, but there was like this one person who I messaged and I was like, hey, can you please check out my video? And they like didn't reply to me and I got really like hurt. Yeah. And I was, I was like, oh man, you're such a big YouTuber. You're so great. I mean, I'm much bigger than him now, which is a nice... <coughs> Shots fired. Like a, uh, um, Shots fired. But I, I remember how I felt after that. I was like, oh man, this really sucks that this big YouTuber is not replying to me right now. Um, and I felt really down, but luckily I was able to pick myself up and I don't want to give somebody else that feeling. But 
with the number of requests that are coming in now mm. like even now i got an email today and i was like i can only actually do your interview in december because november is fully taken up and i can't collab with you this year because the next year is fully taken up so that's another thing is i do feel the responsibility um and i just need to work on a way of you know figuring that out yeah So, seeing as you've been gone, oh, the oh, SD card shit. is finished. Okay, um, let's just, just pause it and yeah. Um, so doing a current affairs focused show like Sibumpanza, um, does it does do those news ever get to you like emotionally where you like okay I need to zone out from this? all the time all the time that's one of the reasons that i stopped it was hacking at my mental health um all those stories like thinking about them talking about them talking to people about them uh, also getting the comments back from people who mm. like i feel like i have a responsibility to read their comments and to you know like actually analyze and get into it and so many people say like recently i did the video on mental health and I didn't think about it in the form that people were going to reply to me. So for me, I was just creating a video about mental health and talking about my mental health and hoping it helps people. And so many people have rightfully so opened up to me and gone, hey, I'm dealing with A, B, and C. Thank you for telling us your story. This is what I'm going through. And then when I read through that, it's like, it's it's weighing heavy. And it's not two or three people. It's like 50 people yeah. sending messages mm -hmm. about their relationships their family their like money problems and i'm just like i wish i could help all these people but i can't and it weighs so heavily to know that it's good to know i'm not the only person dealing with these things but also like it sucks to know that there's so many people because i feel like a lot of us are so out of it that we don't realize that there's people right next to us who are dealing with they're very complex human beings dealing yeah. with their own issues yeah. so definitely that's one of the reasons i sort of stopped sibum panza was because i was i needed a way to pull myself towards myself before yeah. I go back in there. And I feel like I'm in a better place now to be able to, you to, know, continue to do doing it. Yeah. Uh, do you think as a black man in a country with, with a track record for women abuse as ours, I mean, you were saying that you talk a lot about gender. Does that, does that give you, as someone also who's done um, gender studies, do you think you are well equipped to be talking about uh, that issue wouldn't a woman who has the lived experience mm. of that be better pleased to do that so um that's a very good question and with that that's why i'm always careful of what i talk about and the angle i bring towards it a lot of the time i'll even say i'll say this is not a video for women it's a video for the men that's what i'm talking about yeah. that's what i'm talking to um this is what i'm talking about and this is what i'm talking to and a lot of my videos are angled towards men and not i don't i don't like preaching to the choir and mm. that's why i'll say like a lot and a lot of my friends know this i'll say i'm not talking to the i'm talking to the perpetrators right so when i do talk about gender-based violence i'm talking to men in a what are you doing like how can mm. we how can we fix this um and so i won't say guys i know what women deal with and this is i like i just i know i i will never say like i i can i can i can never understand i can 
sympathize i can't empathize with what's going on so i can never say yo i know how it feels to be catcalled by a man no i don't but i know i can sort of speak on why men catcalled and why we shouldn't catcall so it's all about the way you come into the conversation and being careful not to take up space where you don't need to um so i that's that's always something i'm very careful about and especially when i talk about queer issues especially mm, i'm always very careful yeah, about that yeah. where either one i'll bring a queer person to speak about those issues or the angle i'll have it is i'm talking to like straight people or homophobic people um about how like we can do better and how we can treat queer people in a better way to make sure that their lives are simpler yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um there's a south african youtuber mm. that has you know i think for the past two years now yeah terrorized terrorized you <laughs> on twitter on his videos yeah. um ronaldo ho i think mm, ronaldo yeah. Hos. ronaldo Hos. Hos. Okay. Uh, what's going on there what's what's this guy's problem with man you? I, I i think his problem in general is just with young black people doing better than him i think he really really struggles with that and um even recently with the YouTube ZA tour, he was he couldn't wrap his head around how young black people have managed mm. to create this tour without him as he is one of the big YouTubers. He can't wrap his head around brands wanting to work with us and not wanting to work with him okay. when he's got more numbers. And for him at such a big age, he's like a 30-something-year-old and he can't realize why brands don't want to work with a racist, with a misogynist, with somebody who can't think further than himself it just doesn't make sense to him um why one he's not making money out of this and other people are making more money out of it and also why he's not invited to these things and it's just people don't enjoy being around him people don't enjoy his content except for his sympathizers except for the racist white community they will enjoy it but they're not that's the question i always ask um is why don't his viewers pump money into him into because him, the reason yeah. i make money yeah. is because of my viewers it's because my viewers watch and my viewers help me get to places so if he has more numbers surely he should be making that money through all these yeah. connections and especially yeah. with white people watching him that's a lot of social capital so why aren't those people helping why is his issue with other youtubers and not with something he must be doing wrong Obviously, there's something going wrong there. I think, I think also it's entitlement. Yes. Just throwing your subscriber number up there and yes. expecting to be on tour. Yep. Just because of that. Yeah, yeah. That was that was his big issue. We had people there with 200 subscribers. The point was not that. The point was not to bring the biggest YouTubers yeah. uh, to the tour. It was to bring people we thought um, could help us grow it. And even Moyen said it. She was like, "We are a group of friends." And if something goes wrong, I need to be able to count on my friend to help me fix it. If I have a complete stranger, yes, they could help me, but I wouldn't know that. She, yeah. she didn't have to, for example, we when we got to Joburg, their Airbnb wasn't ready yet for them to move in. So I was like, guys, order Uber, we'll come to my apartment, we'll chill at my apartment until it's ready, then we can go and check you guys in. Yeah. If I had random people on the tour, I was not going to say hi, let's yeah, go to my apartment not. and wait. I, it was just not going to make sense. You so don't know them I don't that know well. them that way, exactly. Yeah, That's why it had yeah. to be a group of friends first. And then next year, yo, guys, listen, you, you're not ready for next year. <laughs> you are not ready for what we're about to bring. Yeah. It, it's going to be incredible. I, I can't wait to a point where we get where just one person can go on their own tour exactly, and they fill those venues. Yes. That's what, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get it where... Zuki and Karamo can decide we're going to do six cities yeah, yeah. every two days 
and they fill up and people get there and people pay tickets or whatever the case yeah, may be yeah. so that you know they can pay for this tour um i can't wait till we get to that point but even the youtube za tour was a, a, a like a stone we threw a stone in the dark and we're hoping that somebody was going to catch it and people did oh, um yeah, we didn't yeah. expect that to happen i didn't expect to full an entire uct like lecture hall that was wild listen that lecture hall i remember failing a test in there <laughs> and it was so cool to go back and 500 seat guys there were people sitting in the aisles because there weren't enough wow. seats like it was amazing and to think that like as soon as i walked out people started screaming at the top of their lungs and i was like i didn't realize we had this much impact and it wasn't like yeah. a fangirl scream like it wasn't people going oh my god it's Simbanze. it was like shout outs to you for what you've done yeah. that was the thing yeah. i could tell the difference between a, oh my god oh my god i can't believe that i'm seeing him compared to a yes like we're proud of you Be kind proud. of scream yeah. that was the kind of screams that there was yeah yeah Just, it's amazing <laughs> um as someone who comments on politics mm. and social issues where do you personally stand on politics in south africa right now oh politics in south africa a hot mess so so the one thing you'll see me really comment about is actually like government mm -hmm. um and like politics in terms of like parties um okay. i will i will talk about concepts such as race class but i'll never necessarily talk about the i'll never not that i'll never but it's not something i've touched on in terms of like policies or um the actual parties themselves because i feel like they're so flip floppy that uh -huh. the one day i'll say something about the anc and then it actually makes more sense to have said it about the eff because they've changed their their views or yeah. whatever the case yeah. may be yeah. so i'll tackle racism as a whole but not racism and then what the anc is doing about it or what the eff or what the da is doing about it um i don't think also i'm at that level of expertise yet and I'm very careful to speak about politics in that sense when I don't fully understand it. Understand so it. that's yeah. what I've been very careful about is talking about either the DA stance on A, B, and C when I actually don't fully understand it or the ANC stance when I don't fully understand it. So more often than not, I will speak on the concept itself. But in terms of politics, listen, I don't, I don't even know who to vote for. I feel like <laughs> everything's a mess and I'm so scared for the next elections because I feel like I'm just going to go there and just be like, yeah and hope for the best it's it's 2019 is gonna show us flames exactly. in this country exactly listen man um thank you for agreeing to be our first guest of course of course uh, this has been incredible thank you so much for your time um this has been the no limit podcast with me Kopano Honyane, and we are out thanks to sibu mpanza Thanks for watching, guys. YouTuber extraordinaire for agreeing <laughs> to this. Cheers. Cheers.